after Dennehy, favorite drink on those bears, hawks, socks, bulls, say goodbye a little longer like I ate a piece of big red. What up, everybody? It's the highest rated podcast on iTunes coming at you with a fresh episode. Yeah, that's right. It's the stay at home fans. Now I'm Charlie, and I'm here with my co host, Evan. What's up, Chuck? How you doing? Doing well. Good. We also don't have Dane. He's still working at the players right now. It's another two man job. Yeah. But that's all right. We still got a great episode coming for you. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about the players. And then we're going to talk in depth about MMA. It's a lot of good stuff going on in the MMA world right now. Wrap things up with some puck. But uh, how's your week been, Evan? Slow. Um, I am exhausted, to be honest. I went to uh, Houston, Texas for a wedding over the weekend. Um, Got back Sunday, early evening. And uh, man, I love traveling. I love going places. Like, I enjoy going to the airport. I like being on flights. Everything about traveling. Said no one ever. (laughs) Oh, you know what I could really go for is... The airport right now. Hey, I like checking it out, getting a little cultured. What I hate is coming back. I feel like it just fucks my fucks my whole week up. How so? You know? It just throws me out of order. I was exhausted Monday, so I didn't go to the gym. Did a workout Tuesday, um, and then worked Felt out like for garbage, like a little probably. bit yesterday. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's my sleep's all fucked up. I didn't get to bed until almost 1 a.m. last night. I don't know. I like, I love... I love traveling, but I hate coming back. Um, just always throws me off. I don't know. I don't know if it's just like the, eh, I really have no idea what it is. It just takes me forever to get back on my regular schedule. I come back and I like never put my shit away. Like I like just open up the bag that I had and live out of it. As you can see behind you, I am doing just that with the, my bag from from North Carolina. Luckily, it's clean clothes. I was able to do some laundry at my buddy Joe's place before uh, jumping on the flight. But well, especially those weekend trips, like usually I bring the outfits that I wear the most, anyways. So I'm just gonna wear it anyways. <laughs> um, as long as it passes passes the smell <laughs> test. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. So my week's just been a little fuzzy. I don't know. I felt uh, a little slow. It's been tough being motivated at work. Um. You know, I've been super distracted looking at stuff for the players. We got UFC 224 this weekend. Um, I don't know. Just had a tough time getting back in the rhythm. But by the time everyone's listening to this, it'll be Friday. So. That is very true. And I got a nice weekend planned ahead of me. Um, Hell all yeah. the things that I love doing, playing golf on Saturday, watching the UFC fights Saturday night, watching the players all day Sunday. So Can't nice beat relaxing it. weekend. No, it's going to be great. What about you, man? What's been new with you? Dude, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing for this job, and in the meantime, I'm driving Lyft. Had a really embarrassing thing happen to me today. So I get the Lyft ride and get the request. It says it's at the VA hospital in Denver on 1055 Claremont Avenue. And so I drive over there, pull into the, the parking, or like right in the front driveway there at 1055. Uh, and so... I'm waiting there. I say I'm arri- I've arrived. I wait for the five minutes that is allotted to with a lift ride. Then at, at the five minutes, Mark, I, I call the number of the, of the passenger. And who answers is his wife okay. at home, not at, at the hospital. The hospital, yeah. And an elderly woman, she's like, 
Oh, great. Yeah. Let me call Alan and let him know that he'll be coming out real soon. Well, like... Has no idea how Lyft works. No, clearly not. (laughs) 15 minutes goes by. I'm still sitting out there. I'm being a very patient Lyft driver because I'm thinking, you know, veteran. Yeah, it'd be easy for me to be the dick Lyft driver that everybody has had way too frequently where, you know, it's it's not even the time allotted to you and they take off and say you're a no-show and it charges you five bucks is bullshit but if that ever happens to any of our listeners just you know complain to lyft they'll give you a five dollar credit secrets out so anywho 15 minutes 15 more minutes go by and i call the i called the lady again i was like hey you didn't happen to get in contact with your husband she's like he's standing outside that's what he said he, he's been standing out there right in front on claremont and i'm like I am, like, right by the front door. Uh, I, just, I don't see Alan anywhere. There's definitely not an Alan standing out here. <laughs> there's a Stacy smoking, like, three cigarettes on her little break before she has to go back to whatever nursing ward she's on. Uh, but definitely no Alans. So I'm like, uh, okay, uh, well, would you mind taking my phone number and maybe he can call me? Uh well, lo and behold, I, I get no phone call. Eventually, he comes out. Turns out, I wasn't actually at the f- the main entrance. Oh, whoops! I was at the side entrance that is like fifty feet around a corner. Like we were, we could not have been more than a hundred feet away from each other. I ended up waiting there for like a half hour, and finally, the guy comes out of the door that I was waiting at. Mm-hmm the second I was pulling out to drive around to see if there's like another entrance. Ran into one of those like walking down the hallway situations where you both try to get out of each other's way, but end up getting in each other's yeah, way like nine the times. entire yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was like the most embarrassing thing, but at least I was like played it off as me being really courteous and, didn't point any blame at him because obviously he did the right thing. He just went to the main entrance. I'm the idiot. Was he chill about it? Super chill about it. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was really nice and understanding. He's like, oh yeah, there's uh, two entrances. So. He's probably being nice, but he's like, I fought in a fucking war, so this idiot <laughs> could wait in the wrong spot. So that, <laughs> so that more American genes could be passed on and create this dumbass. Yeah. So, whoops. What can I say? Um, that is embarrassing, but at least he was nice about it. I mean, yeah. what can you do? I also, I've had a bunch of trouble with like Lyft and Uber apps with like dropping the pin, and then the Uber driver will be like, hey, I'm here, and it's three or four blocks away from me. It's just a fucking glitch. Yeah, that happens from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technology. Um, did you smack yourself in the forehead when you got in the car? I wanted to so badly. Like we, when we were pulling out of where I was and then we drive down the parking lot again, like 50 feet. And then you see to the right, it's like in huge, bold letters, (laughs) main entrance. entrance. Oh God. So embarrassing. Um, well, speaking of embarrassing things, we got a new segment coming to you fans um we're calling this friday face palms and we have a good one for you this does not happen often um what was it yesterday today uh i think it was yesterday yesterday the new york mets playing the cincinnati reds in the very first inning managed to bat out of order (laughs) 
I mean, how do you mess that up? How the fuck do you mess that up? <laughs> like, in the first inning, I guess I, I get it, like, maybe in the eighth inning, if you've made a few lineup changes, brought in a pitcher at some random yeah. point in time, and, you know, things get got caught in the wash. But in the very first inning, like, you as a manager, you just wrote the lineup card, handed it to the ump, and then forgot it? Like, yeah. That is rough. I mean, where is your head at that point? No idea. They even have it on the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, they were saying like once once they announced the wrong name, there was nothing that you can do about it. Just didn't. I mean, uh, their their coach took all the responsibility. I uh, would hope so. Yeah, because he's a fucking dumbass. That's net that that has never happened to me on any baseball team that I have ever played on. And trust me, I played with and for a number of royal dumbasses. I mean, barring injuries or, uh, I don't know, trades or something like that, how often do they change the batting order? Well, Is it different game to game? If you're a Cubs fan, you'll know that it's very different <laughs> game to game. Uh, and even Joe Madden was getting some getting some flack that he called. Uh, what, did, what did he call it? It was like... Uh, I don't remember, but he's basically bashing people for being stupid, for even thinking that him changing up the lineup was any cause for uh, the Cubs' struggles at the plate and stuff. But um, I, I think it just depends on from team to team. Some teams keep it you know, pretty similar game after game after game, uh, whereas other teams change it up quite a bit. A lot of it depends on the matchups, too, with pitchers and things like that. Yeah. But uh, man, that is rough though. Like it seems like something that should be so built into your system by the time that you make it to the professional baseball league that like, okay, rule number one, make sure I go out there at the right time. I don't know. That is a pretty big faux pas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd <laughs> say so. Um, all right. Well, Matt's do better. Come on. What are you doing? What a joke. Uh, in a, another headline for Friday Facebomb, Phil Mickelson wears basically a straight jacket to the fucking golf course today. He played golf most, like he was in a straight jacket, that's for sure. <laughs> shoots seven over in round one of the Players' Championship. Um, I mean, for those, if anybody didn't see, he was basically wearing like a, uh, you know, mid-tier office white button down. Looked like he was going to you know, day three of his new accounting job. <laughs> why? What? Why are you doing this? It's not like it's like it's not like uh, Ricky Fowler with the joggers or um, Roy McIlroy wearing that no collar collared shirt. It's not like a new fashion statement. It's no. just a fucking banana republic button down. That seems like it would be the most uncomfortable thing to play golf in. I mean, even I think it was Justin Thomas two years ago uh, at the Open wore like the old traditional Open outfit where he had a collared shirt with a tie on and a sweater over it. That's a nice throwback to tradition. This just looks like he like Phil Mickelson was getting out of work at 5 p.m. and going to happy hour. Oh shit! I forgot. A t I have tea time. <laughs> yeah. Not gonna be able to make it home. I mean, and the, and it'd be one thing if they were playing in, you know 
Washington or somewhere it's 65 degrees, winds are blowing slightly, it's kind of yeah. a cool fall day. No, they're playing down in Ponte Vera, Florida. It was super hot there today. Yeah, Dane's on scene. He said it was like steaming hot. He said it was so hot that it was fucking with his phone battery. Yeah. Like it was it was so hot out that it was killing his phone battery. It was so hot out down there, I might have potentially worn shorts. It was so hot out there, I definitely wouldn't have been wearing khakis. <laughs> like, my, yeah, I just would have been, like, it would have been a terrible look. Now, billion-dollar idea for you khakis that don't show sweat. If you can make that, <laughs> sold. But so, that's a stupid sidebar because not nearly as stupid, though, is what Phil looked like on the golf course. Like, I just can't get over how stupid the button down looked and then how stupid he looked on the course, hacking it away. Like, oh my God. He must've been pl- like, he seriously must've been playing golf and penny loafers or something. It was rough. It was rough to watch him. I forget. I think it was like the, the par five on the back nine. Um, shoot. No, I can't remember 13 or 14, something like that. And I saw him, he was sitting, he was lying three just off the green um, skulls his chip over the green and then tries to hit a Phil Mickelson flop shot, gets right underneath it, uh, and like doesn't even make it to the green, does one of those, hits the slope, comes all the way back yep. to him, um, make you know, gets up and down for a bogey after that. Luckily, saved a bogey, but you know, when you're 20 feet off the green, hitting with a you know, easy birdie opportunity, um. Yeah, and then just, you know, chunks one into the water on 17. It was a rough day out there for him. Spent a lot of time in the pine straw. His game and his look were not good. I'll tell you what, though. The announcers were not going easy on his shirt. If I <laughs> I can't listen. Uh, you know, I was watching, kind of had it out in the background at work the whole time, so I wasn't really listening, but we always had the subtitles on. I must have read, oh, well, those... Heavy sleeves must be weighing down his arms from the <laughs> announcers like six or seven different times to the point where the other announcer that wasn't saying was like, okay, we get it. I was just really hoping he would have burst a button like right <laughs> right above his belt or something like that. I mean, I would imagine that with the way those guys swing and everything, just on your follow through that, I don't know, you ever played, you know, late fall golf or something and it's 40 degrees out you got to play in a long sleeve maybe a vest or something any extra layer like that does kind of get in the way a little bit definitely that's fine when you're out there dicking around with your friends but when you're playing at the players championship on the pga tour and you're phil fucking mickelson why would you literally limit your movement like that you're phil fucking mickelson you're in a group with tiger woods and ricky fowler (laughs) like no you're getting screen time so much attention yeah and you go out there in that dumb fucking button down. I mean, it doesn't even look good. No. You know, it's not like a cool. It'd be one thing if it was like a, a new trend. Yeah, like a sleek kind of, yeah, yeah, some sort of new. Uh, or if it was like a button down Hawaiian or something like that that didn't have yeah, the fuck long yeah, sleeves. Like Ricky Fowler wore last year. All for that. Uh, but I would have rather him worn a vest with no shirt underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have. Phil's flabby arms. Like some sort of collared wife beater. I don't know. <laughs> anything, dude. I'll tell you what, though. If that does, if that button-down fashion does catch on, you're going to be able to point out the assholes on the golf course real fast. So fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of the first day of the Players' Championship, um, 
I got to give give all three of us a little pat on the back here. I know. Um, our picks on Tuesday, we had DJ Johnson tied for the lead at six under. That was Chuck's pick. That's right. Um, Dane took Justin Rose as his pick for the weekend, who's uh, in a tight, you know, tie for 13th or something at four under. Just two strokes off the lead. And then my pick, um, major underdog, but the finger snapping king of the first round, Chesson Hadley, at one point had the sole seven under lead, um, which I texted you guys about immediately. And then his next shot, he drove the ball into the water. Blunk. But uh, managed to pull it back together and is also sitting atop tied for the lead at six under. Combined, what is that? How many? Uh, I don't have enough fingers, but 16. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Accountant. No problem. Not fucking bad. Not bad at all. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with my pick as I've deemed him the king of the first round. Chesson Hadley is potential to. He doesn't fall off. He never like blows up, but he just he just doesn't. He'll, he'll shoot even par yeah. the next three days, um, or at least that's been kind of his thing. And then he'll get a top twenty finish, which is great. Um, he just hasn't had that that closing the door. You, you know, I feel like guys really flip a switch once they win one tournament. Um, Has he ever won a tournament? Not on the PGA. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of tournaments on the web.com. Um, but, yeah, never on the PGA. I mean, this is only like his, I don't remember, eighth start or something, tenth start in the PGA. Oh, damn. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, last year was his rookie year, and he only played a couple tournaments, and then um, has obviously been getting a lot of starts this year. And I feel like he's starting to play better through the weekend. So, I don't know. I, he's just a, he's just a character. He's super tall, super lanky. Um, when he was on the, he hasn't been doing it as much on the PGA tour, which kind of pisses me off. But when he was on the web.com tour, every time he had a good shot, made a long putt, he would do that. Like, you know, when you pack a chew tin, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, like finger snap. Whip that finger <laughs> against um, your other ones, which I loved. It was great. Um, so I'm hoping he starts to bring that back. I hope if he makes a putt on 18 for the win, you know, on Sunday afternoon, We'll get an excellent finger snap out of it. I hope so. That takes me back to my buddy Phil Chang. <laughs> Dead fish Phil. If you're out there listening, what's up, buddy? Uh, in high school. Chang. Yeah, Phil the Cha Chang. In high school, I, I don't know if I ever saw the kid without, you know, Fresh a tan. lip in. And he was always always whipping that finger around <laughs> on it. Um, he, he was the percussion section everywhere we went. All in all, kind of an interesting day. I feel like, all right, so coming into this tournament, they've got those two feature groups that were all the talk coming into the tournament, right? You had Rory, uh, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth playing in the morning. And then in the afternoon, you had Phil, Tiger, and Ricky. Um, nobody really played that well in those groups. No. Um, I can't remember. Maybe Rory finished like two under at the most. Um, I suppose I could look it up, but for time's sake, who cares? Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's a weird thing like i feel like a lot of times when they put those kind of superpower featured groups together they don't perform nobody performs and i have to say i felt kind of bad for justin thomas and rory today because jordan spieth was not playing well he went bogey bogey to start and then eagle the second to get back to even and then double bogey the fourth and it was kind of just all downhill he didn't have a score under par from the third hole to the 16th 17th like something like that it was just kind of flirting with that three over four over all day but yeah man was he bitching a lot out there today it's frustrating to hear um just you know 
Anytime you get somebody like that who's just like complaining <laughs> and really angry and you things like that. You know when like you're that? playing with somebody and <laughs> either they're like, Dane. <laughs> maybe um, they've shot, not even Dane, because Dane, is, cause Dane is a good golfer. You That's know what very I mean? true. He's shot even par before, or at least he says he has. But he's, I've played with him and he's shot many around in the 70s. But you know how sometimes every once in a while you you come across a guy who's shot like 79 once, but they're more like a 95, 96 golfer. Oh, like a, like a Charles Hargrave? <laughs> no, you're better than that. Give yourself some credit. I know. Um, Self-deprecation. It's so in. But then they just expect that that miracle round is the new norm. Or it comes up in bowling a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like, every time they shake a shot, they get pissed at each other, at themselves. That's kind of what Spieth was doing. Obviously, it's not exactly the same scenario, but he kept, like, he would miss hit a shot and then be like, oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. That was one yard off. That would have been, that should have been perfect. What am I doing? Give me a break. Give me a, he kept saying, give me a break. It's like, dude, you got to hit good shots. It's not like what you're is bouncing this, a off. Kid Cat commercial? <laughs> God. Shut up, Spieth. But it's not like he was bouncing off of sprinkler heads or, you know, hitting off of some guy's chair and then rolling into the water. Yeah, rolling into someone's divot or something yeah, like that. None of that. He was mishitting shots over and over again. Um, he three-putted from 10 feet on the first hole, you know? Oh, come <laughs> on. You got to give me a break. <laughs> and that just kind of set the tone for the whole day. And I don't know. I just feel like there's some guys who can go out there and not play their best and still keep a positive attitude. And there's other guys that go out there and drag down the whole group. Yeah. And I kind of felt like Spieth was doing that to Thomas and Rory who were trying to keep it together the best they could. Yeah. Yeah. So frustrating to play with somebody like that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So uh, Kit Kat, if you're listening, I mean, reach out to Jordan. He needs a pick me up right yeah, now. Seriously. If anybody needs to be given a break. I guess it's that guy. Even the announcer, I was listening. First of all, shout out to uh, the PGA Tour Live announcers. If you guys, if anybody has that app, PGA Tour Live, it's great. Forty bucks a year, you get to watch pretty much every tournament's Thursday and Fridays rounds um, before the actual coverage starts. They do two feature groups, or you can also watch like specific holes, stuff like that. Um, but their broadcast team is phenomenal. And oh, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the lady's name. Uh, apologies to her. But even she was like, Jordan, come on. If anybody needs to be given a break, less in this world. It's <laughs> you're 24 years old and you're worth $200 million. You know, you don't need to be asking for a break. Just Quit play better golf. bitching and play better golf. Um, all in all, fun watching it out there today. Seems like it was pretty windy in the afternoon compared to the morning. So I think the afternoon group struggled a little bit. Um you know, we had Tiger shooting even. Uh, Ricky came in at two over. Like we said earlier, Phil, straight jacket Phil, finished at seven over. Um, but a lot of guys in the mix at the top. Uh, Siwoo Kim is one bad. Last year's winner, Siwoo Kim, is one back. Um, I don't believe that there's ever been back-to-back -back winners at the Players' Championship, so it's an interesting storyline there. Uh, the father of golf, Matt Kuchar, tied for the lead at six under. Um, <laughs> That's good. Webb Simpson. Also what tied. kind of name is Webb? <laughs> I don't know. Seriously. I don't know. I, I, he's American, too. It's not like some weird, like, eh, Webb Simpson from Russia. No, it's an American man named Webb. I wonder if he did really well on the Webb.com tour. Maybe. Maybe it's a nickname. Um, 
It's possible. Uh, and then obviously DJ out Woo. in front, Alex Noren, uh, the Swede, uh, tied at six under as well. And then Patrick Cantley, um, also tied. And then another fun storyline, Keith Mitchell, one back at five under as well. This is a guy Paul Casey was supposed to play um, and pulled out earlier this week with a back injury. And Keith Mitchell was the guy that got the call to fill in for Paul Casey and uh, just came out of the gates firing. He was four under through like eight holes, something like that. And then um, kind of cooled off on the back nine, but still five still under, five right? under one back for a guy that, uh, you know, really uh, for honestly, the backup plan. Up there. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, so good on him. That's a fun storyline to watch. You know what I really like about this tournament is that there's so much water all over the place that it makes a lot of the pros hit shots that you or I would hit right into the drink. I love watching pros just chunk it into the drink. Oh, I mean, you saw Tiger Woods on 18 pull hook and iron off the tee. Yeah, oh, right I'm going to pull out the, the iron water. and just, you know, cruise one out there along the right-hand side. <laughs> that ball had yeah, other yeah, plans, nope. taking a hard left into the drink. Phil, you know, hits that wedge on 17. He's staring it down. Oh, yeah, this is looking good. No, he came up like 10 yards short. And it's not a tournament like the U.S. Open or, or the Open um, where – where it's like such a such different playing conditions that you can understand the carnage. Don't get me wrong, it's a very difficult course. At least it looks like it for sure. But it's not like a super tricked. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's not like you can't blame the course because obviously there's guys scoring well too. But there was a lot of carnage out there today, which I love watching. I hope the wind is howling <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But. Uh, for anyone who hasn't been watching, and if you if you don't want to watch, you can keep up to date on some things with uh, our boy Dane, who's uh, got some good coverage going from our Instagram page at Stay at Home Fans. Uh, keep it up, buddy! It's uh, awesome to see that. And uh, yeah, works. it's pretty cool. I've never really known anybody that's gotten that like side of the tee box when Tiger Woods is playing off inside the ropes vantage point. And so, uh, you know, he was sending me Snapchats all day and posting to the. Stay-at-home fans Instagram. Uh, he's got a great story going on. Definitely. Keep it up, man. Um, plenty more coverage on the Players' Championship to come uh, next Tuesday on our Tuesday podcast. Um, let's get into some MMA talk. Let's hit the dang it a dang it a dang section, baby. Finally, MMA is back. Uh, there's UFC fights this weekend. There's Bellator fights this weekend. Um and there's actually been exciting news going on that is, uh, you know, obviously if you're super deep into the sport, there's always things going on. A lot of times when the UFC takes some time off, they use that time to start doing some matchmaking and putting together their events. But this is like... Promote some future events, yeah. Mainstream, big news topics, finally back. Uh, first thing I wanted to mention, this is a potential booking that is getting a lot of popularity no, I am not talking about 50 Cent versus Rampage Jackson. Oh, I thought you were going to say, no, I'm not talking about reading. <laughs> I'm definitely not talking about reading. Um, <laughs> there was a stupid picture of uh, Scott Coker, the president of Bellator, signing some sort of paper with 50 Cent. And uh, 50 Cent's like calling out one-time UFC heavyweight champion, uh, 
Rampage Jackson, which would be a horrible idea for um, 50 Cent. But we're not even going to get into that. There's no way that fight would ever get sanctioned for anybody buying into that news. What I am talking about, Dana White earlier this week was on uh, the UFC Unfiltered podcast with um, Jim Norton, Matt Serra, and uh, dropped a couple bombs. And he farted? <laughs> right into the microphone. And then uh, went on to deliver some pretty big news. So he says that he is currently working on um, George St. Pierre versus Nate Diaz at UFC 227 on August 4th in Los Angeles. He said if everything goes perfectly and nothing ever goes perfectly in this sport, um, the card will look like this. Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw 2 for the bantamweight title will be the headliner. GSP versus Nate Diaz will co-headline. Luke Rockhold, making his first debut at 205 pounds, will fight number one contender Alexander Gustafson. And then Derek Brunson versus Antonio Carlos Jr., which got to be a little bit more involved in MMA to know that one, but those two guys are great. That's a great fight in the middleweight division. Wait, what division was Luke Rockhold in before? 185. He's going up. He's going up. After losing. This is a very interesting... Well, he's that one eighty five pound weight cut has always been brutal for him. He's okay. talked he's been talking about it for a long time. Um he's coming off a first round knockout loss in his last fight to Yoel uh Romero, and after that just decided it was time to go up. Um This is a very interesting we'll do a little sidebar and then we'll get back to the GSP Diaz fight because I got other things to say about that. But um this Rockhold Gustafson fight is very weird because there's kind of two storylines to it. On one side, Alexander Gustafson. So Luke Rockhold is longtime training partner with Daniel Cormier, the current light heavyweight champion who's going up to heavyweight to fight Stipe Miocic. Um, Luke Rockhold has since changed camps temporarily. I don't know if he's planning on going back to AKA, but, um, but him and Cormier have been boys forever. Alexander Gustafson and Daniel Cormier have had a kind of a beef, a a respectful beef between each other for a long time. They had a great first fight. Gustafson thinks he won it. Cormier did win it. Um, But either way, there's been a lot of shit talking there. Why does Gustafson think he won it? It was a close fight. He was kind of piecing Cormier up on the feet for a long time. He actually took Cormier down in that fight. What? Um, Yeah, Alexander Gustafson, I believe the... Well, besides John Jones, Alexander Gustafson was the first person to take John Jones down and the second person besides John Jones to take Daniel Cormier down. And if you know who Alexander Gustafson is, he's a six foot six Swedish man who's not known for his wrestling. He's got great wrestling defense, but he's uh, as excellent boxing and kickboxing. Um, but yeah, it's just a weird it's a weird situation because I get that Luke Rockhold wants to go up. I get that Daniel Cormier doesn't have, uh, you know, as as he has said, he believes that he will be done by March of 2019. Um, so, That's sad. Yeah, I mean, you know. But he's had a great career. He's had a great career. Um, he's 39 years old, I believe. I still can't get over Gustafson taking down Cormier. He's a bowling ball. Like, how, like me. <laughs> every down, side is up. Him taking down John Jones, I think, was an even crazier move. Um, but... It's weird because Alexander Gustafson is the number one contender in the light heavyweight division. Um, if Luke Rockhold beats Alexander Gustafson, and that is a that is a, quite literally a tall task in front of him, um, that 
you would think that that would automatically make him the number one contender in the light heavyweight division. Win or lose against Stipe Miocic, Daniel Cormier is still the light heavyweight champion. So what do they do if Cormier is the light heavyweight champion and Luke Rockhold is all of a sudden the number one contender in that uh, in that division? They no longer train together. They've been friends for a long time, training partners for a long time, but I don't know. I think if the price is right, they might make that fight. Again? No, Luke Rockhold. Or Rockhold hasn't yeah, fought. Yeah, for Cormier will be the first time. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know. That presents a very interesting situation. I don't think either of them, are, either of them have ever come out and said specifically they won't fight each other, but it'd be a hell of a storyline and an easy sell for sure. That'd be like you and me going toe to toe. It'd be like if you moved away and started a rival podcast or worked for a different podcast. And then we had a podcast <laughs> off. I could talk about these topics so much fucking better. Than no fucking way, man. I'm so much better than you. I use bigger words and stuff. I would lose. You do all of our... Uh, all the media shit. So, Rockhold um, Gustafson, who who do you think has the upper hand in that one? Uh, Gustafson it w- would be my pick. It's uh, I think that Rockhold has a better ground game, and it'll be interesting to see Rockhold at 205, what he looks like when he's more filled out. Because Rockhold's like Rockhold at 185 is like when McGregor cut down to 145. You can see it in his face. Just like, looks emaciated, dehydrated. Yeah, it's rough. Um. Always makes weight, has never missed weight, total professional. Maybe that's his problem. That's true. In an era where you are constantly rewarded for missing weight, I don't understand why everybody's not doing it. Um, I don't know. So I don't know. I I, I would think Gustus. I mean, Gustafson is a big boy at 205. He is super rangy. Um, well, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Sounds like it. I mean, and his only losses in the last three or four years have been to John Jones in a razor thin split decision. Uh, and then he got knocked out by Anthony rumble Johnson in the first round in his hometown of Stockholm, Sweden. That was a rough one. Oops. That was when uh, rumble, you know, looked like a absolute, he was the Francis Ngannou of the 205 pound division. He looked like an absolute destroyer. So that was a rough loss for him. Bounced back with a, uh, title shot against Daniel Cormier, another razor-thin split decision. And then, um, you know, he knocked out Jimmy Manuel in the first round. He KO'd Glover Teixeira in the fifth round. I, I, I got to imagine Gustafson would be favored in that fight. Sure. Man, just looking at this potential card, this is the card that the UFC has needed all year long. Like, they've had, like, a few good cards few things here and there that are interesting, but this is like a po- potential powerhouse card where you've got, you know, Nate Diaz, GSP, like GSP who's on, what fought like one time in the last three or four years, something like that. Yep, four years. And then, uh, yeah, Nate Diaz who's had a little hiatus since his chilling hard. McGregor fight. This is a very interesting fight. Um, GSP versus Nate Diaz. So Nate Diaz is the guy that beat Conor McGregor and then lost to Conor McGregor in his next outing and hasn't fought since then. GSP is largely known as the greatest welterweight, 170-pounder of all time. Um, Took a break for a while and then came back at 185 pounds and beat Michael Bisping for the 185-pound title. Um, Is dealing with some medical and personal issues right now, but 
seems like he wants to come back, and this fight would take place actually 30 pounds lighter than his last fight at lightweight. And GSP's been saying he could make lightweight for a long time. Wait, 155? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Which is McGregor's division, Habib Nurmagomedov's division. Yeah. Um, Ooh, talk about throwing a wrench into that division. Yeah. Add GSP into that mix. That is already by far the most talent-stacked and convoluted division in all of mixed martial arts. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, then you also have Tony Ferguson. Here's the thing with GSP. GSP is at a point in his career... And this guy does not need money. He's probably worth $40 million easily. He's got a, he, he had a huge contract with Under Armour for a really long time that I know he made quite a bit of money off of. Before the UFC screwed everyone. Yes, correct. Before the UFC fucking rebocked everyone. Before UFC went NCAA on all their <laughs> fighters. Um, but he's talked about how he's he does he he wants to keep fighting but does not need money. Money does not interest him. What interests him is his legacy. Right, and he is a guy Ooh, yeah. who has always been um, a through and through martial artist. He comes from a uh, karate and taekwondo background. He's probably the best wrestler ever in MMA that didn't come from an actual wrestling background. Um, and but yeah, so he he's just he's a martial artist through and through, and all he cares about now is his, is our big legacy fights. Um, That's. As a fan or somebody who would potentially want to be a fan of the UFC, that's the shit that you want to hear. Like, that's going to draw people's attention to it because you, like, you want fighters that just care about fighting. That, like, yeah, you know what? In order to, you know, you want them to make their money when they can and all of that. But, like, at a certain point, it just needs to be about the fighting and he is such a purist. He has nothing to prove other than how much further he can extend his legacy out from everyone else. And I'm so stoked about that. Well, those guys, too, with his star power and drawing power and not being a guy that needs to go out and talk a bunch of shit, his shit talking is awful. And he recognizes that. When he fought Michael Bisping, Michael Bisping's one of the best shit talkers in the game. And GSP couldn't hang. And he mostly just stayed quiet at the press conferences and just said, we will see, or whatever. And his French Canadian. Yeah. Uh, uh, we will see. Yeah. I wish he had just a mustache and a beret on at all times. And smoke cigarettes at the <laughs> table. It's uh, the way in. Um, but for what we call purists of the sport, he is such a great ambassador because he's a guy that still has a lot of drawing power. A guy that UFC cares greatly about, and he doesn't, he's not in this stupid post Conor McGregor shit, like horrible trash talking environment. Um, Nate Diaz on the other end of the coin is one of the best shit talkers ever. Um, see, I like Nate Diaz, and I like him talking shit because he's good at it. I feel he's like authentic. It's authentic from Nate Diaz. Yeah, exactly. There's so many people that just try to do it because yeah. that's what some dudes that get attention do, and they just do not walk <laughs> the walk. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, I mean, the Diaz brothers are as real as it fucking gets. They come from the fucking ghetto, dude. Nate or Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz used to go to the gym because they would train for food. The people would buy them food for them to train at their gym Damn. and like, and go to like, they would get like free burritos for fighting, <laughs> like fighting for their lives. Basically. Yeah. I mean, they like, are fucking gangster shit. Talk about some super real and primal guys, ass shit. <laughs> those guys are, you know, some of the 
initiators of in-cage shit-talking, too. It's part of their strategy. It gets in their head. They both, both Nate and Nick have this style where they throw insane volume of, like, 50% punches, but you can't catch your breath when it's going on. And then every once in a while, they sprinkle in 100% cross, and that, you know, they put guys away doing that. Um, what do you mean by cross? A punch, cross, like a right, right, right-handed cross. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So it's this is a great fight on paper. People have been saying it's not maybe necessarily a legacy fight for Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz has never held a title. He's not on some huge win streak. But he has a massive fan base. Especially, you could argue argue now for sure that Nate Diaz is more popular than his older brother Nick. And GSP has beaten Nick Diaz before in 170 pound title fight uh, before he quasi retired, and I believe could become the first guy to ever beat both of the Diaz brothers, which I think is a great stamp on your legacy. Definitely. Um, but what I really think is going on, uh, this is just I haven't heard any confirmation about this. This is 100 percent my own speculation. What this is I what I read on MMA on, Junkie. <laughs> This is me speculating a direct quote from Ariel Helwani. No. Um, I think that they want to make GSP versus... I think they want to make Connor versus Habib, for sure. And then I think that they want GSP to fight the winner of that. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Or what if they... What, they could have four people where they could do like a little mini tournament. Like Connor versus Habib... GSP versus uh, uh, Tony, Tony Ferguson. Yeah. And then have the winner of those two fights. Boom. Fight each other. Fight each other. Yeah. The problem with doing a tournament is that you already have Habib that's a champion. So what does he need to do a tournament for? The guy should be lining up to fight him, right? And then Connor. You have Connor. He's the disputed champion, though. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I mean, you got to make that Connor-Habib fight, right? I think that from... Well, Brendan Schaub was talking on his Below the Belt show today saying he may have heard from a little bird that they're aiming for September for that fight. So you make GSP versus Diaz in August. You make Habib versus Connor in September. And then you have the winners fight each other. Um, because that's a great way for Nate Diaz to earn his rematch with Connor. And it's a great way for GSP. GSP doesn't need to earn a title at Habib. Habib the second Habib became the disputed champion, First person he called out was GSP. He wants to fight GSP. That's a great fight. What I think that the UFC is doing is GSP has had some health issues and might largely be related to weight cutting. I think they want to make sure he can make 155 before they give him a massive fight against Connor or Habib. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. You know, they'll do that. That's what Demetrius Johnson wanted TJ Dillashaw to do. Um, before he challenged for the 125-pound title, um, wanted him to come down, make sure he could make the weight. Um, you know, because it's one thing for a guy to say, oh, I can definitely make the weight, I can definitely make the weight, but he's never done it before. Yeah. And you can't schedule your the biggest blockbuster fight. Uh, GSP versus Conor McGregor would be the biggest UFC fight of all time. Ever. Yeah, but bar none. Wouldn't even be close. You see, to me, that sounds like it's the UFC doing somebody who is put in his time in GSP, they're doing him right here by sort of giving him a fight to have an opportunity to cut down to 155, see if he can do it. Yeah. And then if he if he can, 
like, boom, here is your legacy fight. Uh, like, let's just cement your legacy right here. And if, you know, the weight cut doesn't happen, doesn't go well, okay, whatever. It's a great fight for Nate Diaz, too. Not necessarily matchup-wise. I think it's a... I would imagine GSP would be a favorite over Nate Diaz. I don't know. I don't think it would be anything crazy, but I would imagine GSP would be the favorite. Um, but fighting GSP is a payday. Yeah. You know, he's probably still the biggest pay-per-view seller next to Connor that's currently fighting. Um, so giving that fight to Nate Diaz, who's been on the sidelines asking for a big fight for the last year and a half as well. Here you go. This is a massive payday, and and good for the Diaz. But the Diaz, Nate Diaz was a guy putting on exciting fights for a long time, getting paid thirty to show thirty to win. Um, so I think this would be a nice way to do him right as well. For sure. Uh, what I also love about this, if everything goes according to plan, I love that they're making it the co-headliner. That is a great way to invest in your current champion, a guy that's been fighting for a long time, or not a long time, a guy that's just never bitched and complained about who he's fighting in TJ Dillashaw. Okay. Yeah. Um, TJ Dillashaw desperately wanted that Demetrius Johnson fight at 125 pounds. They couldn't work out the deal, whatever it was. He said everything was signed on his end. Um, you know, fighters say that all the time though, where it's not me. It's the other guy. Um, It's not me. It's, uh, the lawyer and my whole camp and everybody else. Um, but either way, that would have been the biggest payday to date for Dillashaw, uh, would have been against Demetrius Johnson. They couldn't get that done, so they're giving Cody Garbrandt the immediate rematch, um, which is you know, which is an awesome fight. Their first fight was great, too. Dillashaw won by head kick KO in the second round after getting dropped pretty badly in the first round. Um, head kick. <laughs> shout out to DJ Dillashaw. Uh, still trains in Denver, Colorado for a lot of his camp. Um with striking genius Dwayne Ludwig. Uh, but yeah, but I love that they would make this fight the co-headliner. You know, because sometimes they'll do some bullshit where they'll put a non-title fight that's, you know, Brock Lesnar versus somebody that's not even for the title as a headliner over a, a true fighter's fighter, somebody that should be getting more representation. So I think that that would put a lot of mainstream media shine on Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw, um, which I love. I think that's awesome. Big fan. So I hope everything works out. You know, I haven't heard anything about, I, there's really been no response come out from GSP or Nate Diaz. Um, but man, I think it makes sense for both sides. If the UFC can make this card happen, it would be huge. It would be such a big payday for them. And they would set them up for another huge payday just a couple months down the road too. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong if you have that fight and the Habib Connor fight. And then uh, there's just, there's no bad outcome. If Habib wins and has to fight Nate Diaz, that's a fun fucking fight. If Habib wins, has to fight GSP, that's great. And vice versa, with if Connor wins fighting either, you know, then you set up the Nate Diaz trilogy or the biggest fight of all time and uh, him fighting GSP. There's really no lose in that situation. You know what? It's not just the UFC doing GSP and Nate Diaz, right? They're doing us fans right, finally after giving us a little bitch slap to the face with the $5 increase in the pay-per-view charge. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That shit's still so fucked up. Um, All right, let's move on. So this was also pretty big news. The UFC has been, they had, for the last couple years, an exclusive deal with Fox Sports 
um, for TV rights. So they've had all of their non-pay-per-view fights on Fox Sports, the Fox Sports platform, and then occasionally they would do uh, smaller, usually international fights on their own streaming system called UFC Fight Pass. So it came out this week, uh, the UFC struck a multi-year deal with Disney-owned ESPN Plus, which is a (laughs) direct-to-consumer streaming service beginning in 2019. Um, Disney getting into the fighting world. <laughs> well, Disney yes. owns ESPN. I know, I know, I know. But you don't know. You know nothing. Okay. All right. Why'd you have to call <laughs> me out, man? Oh, my God. How epic would it be if Disney started, like, a Disney characters fighting league? Dude, I know. Like, <laughs> fucking genie from Aladdin versus Hercules. Dude, genie. Whoa, that's a good one, actually. That's a really good one. I can imagine. Well, I don't know. Well, Genie would need somebody to make some wishes for him to be any good. <laughs> All you need is one person to wish that he wins the fight. Huh. Right? I got to imagine there's <laughs> one person out there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give that one up to the Genie. Yeah. I mean, and then, like, maybe a, Di- a couple Disney princesses going toe-to-toe. Like, who you got in Pocahontas versus Mulan? Oh, you got to take Mulan there. I don't know. Well, does Mulan get a weapon? She's trained. She's like fully trained in combat. She doesn't get a weapon now. What does Pocahontas know how to do? Fucking paddle a canoe? And talk to, you know. Feathers? Talk to the environment. She can paint with all the colors of the wind. That's true. You might be onto something there. Can she bring in animals? She probably (laughs) has a better relation. Though Mulan's got that weird dragon thing. Mushu? Yeah. (laughs) I love Mushu. I'm taking Mulan. UFC 228. I don't know. I, I think Pocahontas paints Mulan's face the colors of the wind. <laughs> um, all right, let me give some details on this. So it is a $750 million deal over five years, $150 million a year. Um, uh, there, there's going to be 15 fights per year uh, streaming on ESPN+, and each one of those fights will have 12 fights on them. Uh, ESPN Plus will also include exclusive seasons of Dana White's Contender Series, um, that kind of training league fighting organization that Dana White has started. Um, that rivals his <laughs> the UFC's own tough. Uh, yeah, I mean, nobody watches tough anymore. Stupid so, tough. Um, they're also going to put a the library of like old UFC fights, classic bouts from... Glory, Pride, all those things on there. Uh, the UFC Countdown shows, which is like a behind-the-scenes kind of preview show that the UFC does, will be streaming on ESPN+. Plus. You'll be able to watch the weigh-ins, press conferences, uh, etc. So basically what it's doing is replacing its own, you know, UFC's Netflix called UFC Fight Pass and putting it all onto ESPN+. Plus. And putting it in the hands of something that people actually consume. Yeah, which I think... I don't know. I haven't. I've been a longtime subscriber to UFC Fight Pass, um, just because there's so much stuff on there that I, I love watching old fights. I love they do um, lion kickboxing on there. They do glory kickboxing or lion muay thai. Sorry, uh, glory kickboxing. Um, but it's only you and Ariel Hawani <laughs> that are subscribed, so they're not making any money. I gotta imagine Brett Akamoto has a subscription too. Okay, yeah, the three, three of us people, cannot yeah. sustain it. Um, and yeah, I mean, even people that I know that are balls deep in MMA don't have Fight Pass. It is, it is few and far between of us that have a subscription to that. Um, 
So ESPN Plus is obviously not just going to be for MMA. It's going to have, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to have on there, but it's going to have a bunch of other sporting related things on there. Um, so I got to imagine this will hopefully reach a wider audience, especially for, you know, when they have UFC Hamburg, Germany, and it's on at 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Nobody is tuning in to Fight Pass to watch that. This, you might be, you know, out chilling, scrolling through, seeing what's on ESPN Plus. Oh, there's a live fight on. I'm going to check this out for a second. And all of a sudden you got, you know, new fans. I, I mean, this is such a smart move by the UFC. You know, again, like this then leads them to get so much more press by ESPN every time ESPN's covering anything because ESPN is now invested in it. Like ESPN is now going to have a stake in the UFC's popularity. If the UFC's popularity decreases, ESPN's going to eat some of that 750 million bucks. So, you know, this is a great move from the UFC's part to expand their audience and get more people involved, get more people to, uh, you know, be like me and get converted from totally not being a UFC fan at all to somebody who randomly on a Thursday afternoon is watching old fights of the UFC. Totally. I mean, to have that brand name and marketing machine of the USB, ESPN, USP, Hmm? ESPN. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I feel like every time I fuck up saying something, it ends up being the title of our podcast. Um, USP is not that good (laughs) though. It won't be it. To have ESPN as a brand name behind you. Look, I'm not, knock in Fox sports. I watch Fox sports a lot um, because of their MMA coverage. And a lot of the guys that they have on the panel there are great, but um, you know, ESPN is a different animal. There's levels to this game and ESPN's at the top. Um, Not only that, but I got to imagine this brings a lot more MMA coverage onto ESPN. That's what I'm saying. You're going to start seeing MMA knockouts on ESPN top 10, you know, definitely Uh, there's going to be, Many more interviews with Dana White and popular fighters. I would, I would imagine. Um, I got to. I, I think this is great for the sport. Like you know, when there's a paper, a big pay per view event, and then like ESPN talks about it, but they don't show any highlights because it's the rights are like owned or something mm-hmm. like that. So they'll be talking about a big boxing match that they just have to talk through what happened and don't show any replays. Now you know. Now they're going to own the content exactly. So they're yeah. going to. This going to be that much more content that's out there for the UFC, which is which I can't wait for. I I, I love when you know when um, Conor McGregor was fighting or Ronda Rousey was fighting, and I got to look up and instead of watching boring ass early baseball highlights, I got to watch you know shit about fighting on the on mainstream, and then I had all my friends asking me questions about the fighting stuff. I don't know, it's great. I love yeah. anything that can do. I mean, and and really. The best part about that is the more popularity we can bring to the sport, the hopefully the idea is the better it'll be for the fighters. Yeah, definitely. It's gonna be bigger paydays for them in the future and and so much more so many more sponsorship opportunities for them and I don't know, overall quality of life increase, hopefully for them. Yeah, I mean between that and I think the Reebok deal only has a year and a half left on it, something like that. Um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to do some, make some moves towards bettering things for the fighters. Uh, I think that's really what's most important. Gotta hope so. You know, yeah. it's going to, it's going to be really nice, you know, this time next year, not seeing some pointless, you know, 40th game of the year, baseball highlight. Yeah. 
and we're going to actually see some some stuff that's meaningful. Um, I just came across this. Uh, the UFC and USADA, the United States Anti-Doping Agency, um, is now going to honor fighters who have passed 25 straight PED tests with, okay, look, they're not getting the best, rec- this isn't the greatest prize I've ever heard, but they are going to get a custom t-shirt. Uh, oh, wow. Yep, yeah. Wow. Nice $20 merch bonus. Yeah, um, nice $12 cotton tee from Gildan. And they will also be featuring, like, stories and adversaries about... Um, adversaries? Advisories? How do you pronounce that word? Advisories? Is that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. This is our, like, my favorite murder <laughs> moment. Oh, yeah, we're idiots. Forgot about that. Um, okay, they're going to be featuring new stories. And, Damn it, uh, our secret's out. <laughs> um, they're just they're going to be featuring new stories from the... Uh, yeah, nice. I like stories, yeah. USADA underscore UFC Twitter account. Look, uh, you know, whatever. It's not any grand prize, um, but there is something to say. In a sport that's had a lot of PED issues, it's uh, nice that they're making an effort to kind of highlight guys that have passed these passed so many tests. I mean, and if you look at the list of guys that would currently pass or currently be uh, acclaimed for this, you have Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, Eddie Alvarez, Vitor Bell, and that's it. <laughs> And all the rest have failed 25 straight. I don't know. To me, this seems like that bullshit, like, oh, here, here's your gold star for doing well, for doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Like, oh, you've been doing your job at the bare minimum, like the the least requirements that you need. Here, instead of, like, having a day off or anything, like, here's a free a- Keurig <laughs> cup. You get to have coffee today. Enjoy this $5 Starbucks gift card for doing your job. Yeah. No, I feel you. It's not much. You can't even get a venti triple shot caramel macchiato with double whipped cream. No. With $5 Starbucks card. Not even close. Um, I don't know. I just, whatever. At least they're doing something. Um, Yeah, maybe give them a fucking $5,000 bonus or some shit. Or give them... (laughs) A one test exemption <laughs> where you could just dope yourself up big time. Bring it back to the pride days, that would be great. Um, this weekend, finally, the UFC is back. Man, it's been lonely for me these last couple of weeks. I don't know what to do my do with myself when there's no no fights. Yeah, what have you been doing? Like you know, Saturday nights. Oh, just staring at the TV with it off a lot of time. I remember a few weeks ago when there was actually <laughs> fighting there's just, on. There's one tear strolling down my face. <laughs> um, let's talk about it. There are some awesome fights. Look, it's not going to be... This pay-per-view is not going to do more than 200,000 pay-per-view sells, maybe 250. It's not a lot of brand name recognition. But, um, you know, for those of us that are a little bit deeper into the sport, there's some fun fights on here. And me, who was d- actually doing research. I was impressed. Uh, Chuck sent me a text today saying, dude, this Jacare Souza versus Kelvin Gastelum fight is going to be crazy. I don't know who to pick. And I told, I texted him back immediately. That's the favorite. That's my favorite text he's ever sent me before. That was a great text. Got me all jacked up. Thanks, man. Um, all right, let's go through this quickly. So we're opening this fight. Vitor Belfort versus Leota Michida. Um, these are two legends 
Uh, Vitor. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These are two guys who have been around. I mean, guys that have been incredible ambassadors for the sport in Brazil. Uh, both former champions in the UFC. I mean, Vitor Belfort's been fighting since UFC 9, I believe, was his first appearance. When he was Super Vitor and had fucking... I mean, he was, he is a poster boy for what happens in a life post-PED tests. Now he's on rough. Medicaid. It is rough. Um, this would have been a great fight 10 years ago. Don't really care about it now. He gets senior discounts. <laughs> he's 42 years old, I think. Um, Close. Fun fight, whatever. I'm going to watch it. If this was a headlining fight anywhere else, I, 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 I would never pay for this fight, but... I guess I am, but I'm not paying because of this fight. Um, I don't know. I, I granted this is Evan Vitor's. eating his words, <laughs> and they taste delicious. I just immediately backtracked on that. Um, this is Vitor's retirement fight. They had a uh, like face off today, and he came out in a bathrobe and pajama pants because he was like, "This is my retirement." <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say anything about the pajama pants, but why were you going to go there? Oh, no. just the bathrobe? Yeah. That would have been epic. I'm sure he's got a fucking fat hog on him. He just struts out there like old Hugh Hefner, couple babes on either side of him. I mean, Vitor Belfort... Okay, so it, brief history lesson. You used to be able to take a, uh, what was called a TEU in the UFC, a therapeutic or TU, therapeutic use exemption. Um, Transurethral... <laughs> Unless you're Fallon Fox, maybe. Um, Therapeutic use exemption, which means if you had naturally low testosterone levels, you were allowed to use uh, testosterone boosters, essentially. Not necessarily steroids, per se, but steroids. Um, Not steroids. You you could just make your balls bigger. Testosterone replacement therapy. Um, So, you know, whatever. You're supposed to use that to get to normal levels of testosterone. (laughs) Vitor Belfort once tested after his fight with Luke Rockhold, I think it was. And he was like... Way over the limit. Yeah, like 12 times the fucking average normal level of testosterone. It was fucked up. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if he didn't start growing hair in the middle of his forehead. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was muscles on the veins sticking out of it. He had hair growing on the palms of his hands. <laughs> uh, fun fight, whatever. Uh, it's just whoever gets knocked out first, whoever still has somewhat of a chin. That's going to uh, be a knockout fight, though. Vitor Belfort is a... He's very explosive in the first round. Um, and then he gets tired. He's old. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's... he's cruising right into that bathrobe wearing point point of his life i mean i'm Um, at the point in my life where i wake up tired leota the dragon machita i think gets it done i think um i think his striking is a little bit more uh diverse and post trt belfort has looked pretty rough so i'm taking leota machita here um this next fight brian kelleher versus john lineker that's a really fun one these are probably two of the hardest hitters in the 135 pound division um brian kelleher beat um oh i can't believe i'm blanking on his name uh his last fight was his biggest biggest win um hennon Barrow, the longtime champ of the 135 pound division um in a close fight but definitely beat him 
Um, and now this will be by far his biggest step up in competition against John Lineker. I think it's a little bit too much too soon. I'm taking John Lineker by knockout in the, hmm. I'll give him in the, you know what? I'll say third round, third round TKO. I'm just looking at these guys. I mean, John Lineker looks like just a bad motherfucker. Like he just rode in on, you know, his motorcycle and was just smoking a pack of cigarettes. Meanwhile, Brian Kelleher just kind of looks like a pretty fit software developer. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, I'm che- I I won't be mad if Brian Kelleher wins. He's uh he's been on the MMA hour a couple times. He's just a very down to earth guy. He's still he's a guy that'll go to these fights and like go get Vitor Belfort's autograph. He's a huge fan of the sport, has been forever. Still gets like starstruck. Can't believe where he's at and where he's gotten to. Um just a just seems like a guy that you would love to go get a beer with. Yeah. Nice. Um in the third fight, um, we have Amanda Cooper. Fighting your girl, Mackenzie Dernit Dern. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Cooper's going to be saying, gosh, darn it, at the end of this fight. That's for sure. Um, interesting matchup here. Amanda Cooper, uh, excellent boxing, great hands, great striking. Um, is coming off of a second-round KO of Angela Magana. Uh, but for anybody into MMA at all, you know the name Mackenzie Dern. She is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu phenom, absolute standout, world cha- multi-time world champion, if she gets a hold of you, you are in big, big trouble. Um, but she's new to the UFC. She had her first fight um, not long ago. Just a couple months ago, right? Yeah. Um, and wasn't it a split decision? It was in March, and it was a split decision about against a very game Ashley Yoder. Um, Yoder? Nope. <laughs> finally made the joke for you. Appreciate it. Sidebar. Uh, I know. You're two months too late. Our buddy Evan and or <laughs> our buddy Evan. <laughs> hey guys, I'm your buddy too. <laughs> I finally admitted he's my friend. Uh, and our buddy Mark, uh, we're watching this fight, and I came over late, and they had made a bet that I would make the Yoder. I hardly know her, and I didn't. Instead, I made a joke about Dern. That <laughs> pissed me off. Thought I knew you. Um, so this is uh, Mackenzie Dern's second fight in the UFC, uh, and on a very fast turnaround. Um, I wish that they would. I wish she was not fighting on this card. To be honest, I wish they would let her develop a little bit. I think she probably learned a lot from her first fight and has a long ways to go on her striking. Um, and she's fighting a very dangerous striker. I think that her edge in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is going to be too much for Cooper to handle, though, and I think Mackenzie gets it. Mackenzie Dern gets it done, and then I hope she takes a bit of a break and just works on her well-roundedness because Holmes she the has craft. the potential to be a fucking superstar. She's beautiful. She's got a body on her, and she's got a great fighting style. Um, as misogynistic as that might say, sound, I'm aware of that. Um, but fuck it, y'all know sex sells, so don't blame me for society. In the co-headliner, we have Ronaldo Jacare, the Alligator Souza, fighting Kelvin Gastelum. Um, this is a great fight. This is the one that yeah. really intrigues me. Yeah, um, I'm super excited for this one. Kelvin Gastelum has he's he's come up from 170 pounds. Thinks he can go back to 170 pounds, but he had a couple weight cut issues there. Um, probably not necessarily a true 185 pounder, but. Being a bit of an undersized guy with excellent hands has uh, seems to have a speed advantage over everybody. Um, 
he's done work. He lit Michael Bisping up in the first round of his last fight. Um, almost finished Chris Weidman in the first round of their fight, but Chris Weidman was able to bounce back and get the finish over Kelvin. Um, but other than that, man, Kelvin Gesselin has looked nothing short of a world beater at 185. That dude throws some big punches. Yeah, and they're fast. Yeah, like his quickness surprised me. Um, these are two guys that, in sort of looking into it, like they're coming off like some pretty good wins, things like that. And if their only losses recently have been against dudes at the very top of the division, guys that were either either current champs or previous champs, um, yeah, Gaslam, man, if he lands a punch on Souza, it could be lights out. Who knows? But Souza, on the other hand, just seems like a more well-rounded fighter. Like he seems like it seems like his defense is a lot better. He's like almost just in more control, yet still can, you know, bring some heavy bring some heavy mitts into the ring, and uh, his ground game definitely is freaking awesome. Um, he, like both of these guys have a lot of a lot of TKOs and submission uh, finishes pretty early in rounds too, which is uh, interesting to watch. So I like to me. Kelvin just looks a little bit more reckless. He opens himself up a little too much. Uh, and I think Souza might be able to capitalize that caveat. If he lands any of those punches, it's a, it might be a quick night for Souza. But I think I got to take Souza in this one. Yeah, this is another one, too. Uh, another Souza is another guy, kind of like Yoel Romero, who just seems to defy time. I think he's 40 years old, and Kelvin Gastelum is 25, 26, something like that. I didn't realize Souza was that old. Yeah, and a good-looking man, right? He's been doing the damn thing for a long time. Um, but, goddamn, does, is, does he have a resume on him? Um, and another guy who's, you know, just comes from that Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, his striking is... Um, getting there he's kind of like a Fabricio Verdum in that his grappling got him a long way for a long time and then you get to that upper echelon and you got to have everything but his striking's really developed um a lot man this is a very tough one to call and I got to imagine that this is also a title eliminator I would think that the winner of this fight will get uh the next shot at either Robert Whitaker or Yoel Romero um this is a very tough one to call you know what for just to just to make it interesting between the two of us, I'm going to take Kelvin Gastelum by first round KO. Nice, I like that. I think he I comes mean, out swinging. I think his speed is too much for Souza to handle. Yeah, I. You see, I. If this is setting up to be the next title, like one of these guys goes on to the next title bout against Whitaker, I think uh, Gastelum has a better chance against Whitaker. Uh, just because he's he throws those quick punches that are that have a lot of weight behind him, and Souza's already fought Whitaker, and Whitaker was able to like with his quickness and his power, his pop was able to get through Souza's defense and land time and time again square on his nose, uh, whereas Souza couldn't really get anything going against him, and so I think that Gastelum poses a bigger threat to Whitaker. And so I'm hoping, frankly, I'm hoping he wins, but I think Souza is a more complete fighter who is going to going yeah. to hold it down. I mean, it's definitely a toss up. Yeah, I, I'm with you though. I would rather see Gastelum versus Whitaker. I don't know. It's yeah, 
I mean, just because, just because Gastelum hasn't fought Whitaker or Romero, whereas uh, Jacare has fought them both. Um, so, yeah, pulling for Gastelum just for just for the future. Um, but both guys, I mean, this is that that's that's your. I don't want to say fight of the night right there, but that's the most important fight on the card. I think it's a great fight, and I hope it is fight <laughs> of the night. I hope it, you know, uh, lives up to the intrigue that it's got me in right now. Um, and then you've got your headliner, uh, the champion, the lioness, Amanda Nunez, defends her belt against Rocky Raquel Pennington. Um, and I'll take Amanda Nunez. Moving on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I don't even think I don't even think I can bet with my bookie on this fight because of the odds. Um, what are the odds? I don't know. I saw Amanda Nunez as much as a minus one thousand favorite, I believe. Um, oh my god, minus nine twenty five. Yeah. Yep. And I think hey, look, there's been bigger upsets in the UFC. Um, you know, TJ Dillashaw was minus eight hundred against Hennon Brow for their first fight. Holly Holm was minus twelve hundred against Ronda Rousey. Jesus, but this is not one of those situations. Uh, I think Amanda Nunez has no problem. Uh, Raquel Pennington. The last time Raquel Pennington fought was on the same card as Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez. And we all know how long it's felt since Conor McGregor has fight has fought. So has fight. <laughs> so foreign. It has been long time since he's been a long time since fight. he has fight. Very long time. Um so yeah, so she's been out of action for a long time. Look, some people have long layoffs and they work on their skills and you know, come back a different fighter. It's possible that Rocky could do that. I don't see it happening. Amanda Nunez is a absolute killer in that division. Um, and I think this is a nice spotlight fight, hopefully setting up her versus Cyborg. Cause let's be real. That's the only fight in WMMA that the mainstream media cares about right now. I just love the lion head that she wears. Yeah. Like talk about the fucked up I mean, way to get in your opponent's head. <laughs> Like she's like straight out of a horror movie when she walks into the ring. She is also I I hope the UFC has realized what they did when they fucked up when she had her fight against Ronda Rousey and one hundred percent of the promotion was sponsored or centered around Ronda. Um Amanda Nunez is A, your first ever openly gay UFC champion. Didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. She um uh her girlfriend fights too. Yeah, shit, totally blank. Just out. not as well. Not, not quite there yet. Um, but yeah, so your first ever openly gay champion in the UFC. So automatically, there's a, in, especially in everything going on today, a massive marketing play right there. And she is, she, she's just, she just, she comes from the fucking favelas in Brazil. Like she was raised in the goddamn ghetto in Brazil. And I don't know, man. She, she's just an absolute sweetheart. Has a great story to tell. I hope that they put a lot of promotion into her. Um, you know, I, I haven't, you know, we'll see. There hasn't been a ton leading into this fight. Um, like so. you could do such good promotions with her having that fucking lion head on. Like, yeah, totally. it's like dark room, door opens up, like it's bright behind the door, and you just see this ripped chick with a fucking lion head on. With like, I was trying to think of something that had to do with Rocky, but like, like, eat, like feasting on something with blood coming out of her mouth and shit. Just nothing to do with blood Rocky, coming but. off of her fists. Yeah. Or if she fights Cyborg, just have that with like a bloody robot in her mouth. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so UFC 224 uh, this weekend in Brazil, um, in Rio de Janeiro. You know, a lot of fun, a lot of fun fights on this one. There's some great prelims too, but tune into those if you can. Um, well, that is all I have for MMA news going on. Uh, we still have, we are in the thick of it when it comes to hockey playoffs. So let's do a little talk and puck with Chuck. Um, Chuck, while we are talking right now, there's a very important game going on in the background. Huge game in the Western Conference going on right now. The uh, Winnipeg Jets, late in the second period, uh, added to their lead. They're up 3-1. to one. It's in the second intermission. Uh, third period's going to be starting here in the next 10 minutes or so. But I, I called it at the beginning of this series that this was going to be like a Rock'em Sock'em Robots type series. I knew it was going to go at least six games. We're in game seven here in Nashville. I mean, these are two of the best teams in the entire NHL, maybe the two best teams in the NHL uh, going toe-to-toe with one another. Uh, It's kind of too bad that Nashville's goaltender, Pekka Rene, didn't show up for this game. He got pulled... That was a rough second goal that he let in. Not even halfway through the first period, maybe halfway through the first period after giving up a couple softies, uh, goals that you really cannot afford your goaltender to let up in the playoffs, especially a game seven. Uh, absolutely deflating goals, but uh, Nashville's come back pretty well. They scored a goal to get within one, but, uh, man, I like the Jets are just so good. They come at you wave after wave after wave. Yeah, they do not let up. They have so much size, speed, and skill. It's just unbelievable to watch and their goaltenders playing pretty well too hellebuck they seem relentless at the net too yeah they're all over him. you know so many shots on goal this backup goaltender for for nashville's had a great game yeah he just let in one goal where he didn't have a prayer but uh he's kept them in this game and so you know third period two goal lead they say it's the most dangerous lead in hockey because that team that's behind gets that one goal and especially being at home with Nashville get that crowd behind you man that could be just what they need to to spark the spark the fire and get going but um like I said I picked Nashville so I gotta assume that they're gonna have a big third period but whichever one of these teams goes through they absolutely deserve to uh advance and play uh, Las Vegas in the next round in the in the Western Conference Finals uh, which again sets up for another great series. Like, hockey is just in such a good place right now because there are so many teams that are basically a coin flip to win the cup. You know, whoever comes out of this game has a great shot at winning the cup. Vegas playing fantastic. Like, they played great all year and they are so hot in the playoffs. They're ten and two in the play or eight and two in the playoffs uh, in their first ten games you know, dismantling the Kings and the Sharks, no problem. And so, you know, their goaltending's great with Flurry. Very, very easy to see them winning the Cup. And then you look to the Eastern Conference, you know, you got Tampa Bay, who's made it to a Cup Finals, playing fantastic hockey. They just put the waxing on uh, 
on Boston in the final four games of that series. They had a terrible loss in game one of that series and then swept the next four. And uh, so they're playing such a good style of hockey, such tight checking hockey, and they've got talent up and down the lineup that can score on any shift. So they're super dangerous, and they've got a goaltender in Vasilevsky that's playing great too. And then oh, you got Ovechkin, who finally, 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 finally made it out of the second round in his great career. Uh, as a hockey fan, you just got to feel so good for that guy. I feel like, to your point, too, that like getting Pittsburgh out of the playoffs um, just opens up the door even more. For I just feel like it's wide open for any team to win now. They got the monkey off their back. Yep. You know, I was thinking that whoever made it out of that Washington-Pittsburgh uh, series was likely to actually, just from seeing the way that Tampa Bay has been playing, was going to lose to Tampa Bay. But there's something to be said about that human element in things when you finally overcome your biggest obstacle. You, you finally you know, make your way over the hump, and that hump for Washington was Pittsburgh. They had encountered Pittsburgh so many times in the playoffs and had never been able to get by them until this year. I mean, to bring it full circle, it's like we were talking about in the PGA earlier, is once guys get that first win under their belt, a lot of times they go on runs after that because you've all that self-doubt of not being able to win goes away. I mean, you know, and for anybody that's played any sort of sport that that time that that major change in your mentality can have an absolutely massive impact on the way that you play. It's huge. It is so big. So I mean, throw the Xs and Os out the door now. You know, Washington made it over that hump. They are energized. Ovechkin's in a place that he's never been before in the playoffs. And it just seems that when this happens, you know, it keeps going. And so there's a good chance that Washington finds a way against Tampa. Like Tampa's been playing great, but I just I just love the intrigue there. And I, I, I've got to be pulling for Ovechkin as a guy who's been in the league like, I don't know, like 12 or 13 years, who's already scored more than 500 goals. He's going to go down as one of the best scorers ever in the league. Uh to see him finally get to the Eastern Conference Finals just feels right. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, huge congratulations to the Caps. Um, and Ovechkin, you know, uh, it just it's just nice to see it for a guy that, you know, whether you're a fan of him or not, um, for a guy that's been that talented for that long, it's nice to see him break through. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, that game is in the second inter- or the uh, Predators uh, Jets games in the second intermission. It's about to start up pretty soon, so I think nice. it's about time we wrap this up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, everyone, thanks again for listening to us. Make sure you hit follow on whatever app you're listening to us on. Give us some ratings and some uh, reviews if you could. We want to continue to get better at this and give you guys some good content that you want to hear. Chuck's being way too nice about it. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast or we won't do it anymore, okay? We need those reviews you know what yeah we're laying down the law (laughs) we are the highest rated podcast on itunes and we'd like to keep it that way so please feel free to throw us down a five-star review um and uh you know if you have any comments period end of sentence we can be doing better 
let us know. But that five-star review is huge for us, guys. It makes a big difference in how we get promoted and things like sponsors. Um, so, yeah, it's literally you can comment with a just just a period, whatever. Just give us the fucking five-star rating. How about this? Emoji rating or reviews. Love Emoji it. review contest right now. Go. How about this? If you guys leave us a funny review, we'll read it on the podcast. Yeah, come up with your funniest review yeah. that you possibly can. Talk some shit about sports. Talk some shit about us, whatever it is. If you guys say anything that makes me smile, we'll read it on the podcast. Mostly talk shit about Dane because he's not here today. Um, yeah, definitely. So hit us up. Hit that subscribe button um, on whatever media that you're listening to. And then give us a follow. Uh, stay at home fans on Instagram. Stay at home Chuck on Twitter. Stay at home Evan on Twitter. Um Stay at home Dane on Twitter. If you're a fan of mine, don't follow Dane. Nobody cares. Don't follow stay at home Dane. Follow stay at home Evan, stay at home Chuck, and stay at home fans on Instagram. Um, and feel free to DS, DM us questions. If you guys had any questions or anything you want us to talk about on here, um, we'll answer your questions. We'll do our best and uh, we'll bring up topics you guys want to talk about. What he said. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, folks. That's all. Yeah.